Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we are grateful that you have invited us into your homes tonight. Before we get on with the show, there are a couple of announcements that I do need to make. First of all, I'd like to say that, uh, that we had a great time in the Spanish Fork Revival last Saturday. There were quite a few people, a lot of people, and of course it was a gathering together of the Saints of God in Utah County. We had good music, good food, and a lot of good speakers, and we do hope that this is the beginning of many more. Also, we need to mention that this Sunday afternoon, September 23rd, from 1 o'clock until 3.30, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler is speaking at Grace Community Bible Church. The address is 11592 South, 1300 East in Sandy, and you can go to www.mygrace.us for more information. Dr. Geisler will be speaking on how to interpret the Bible and dealing with alleged errors in the Bible. Now, our culture charges that the Bible is mistranslated and it can't be trusted. And so anyone who teaches that or believes that surely should go to that conference so that they can either prove or disprove that what they believe about the Bible is true or not. And next week, our guests on the show will be Keith and Becky Walker from Evidence Ministries. We're going to be discussing the impossible gospel of Joseph Smith. And next Friday night is the UPFC banquet we've been talking about for a few weeks now with Todd Friel will be the guest speaker. And then Saturday morning, the 29th, from 9 until noon, Todd Friel will be hosting the Joy in the Home Conference at Mill Creek Baptist Church. The address is 1515 East, 4500 South. Sunday morning, the 30th, he'll be the guest preacher at Mill Creek Baptist Church in Holiday. Everyone is welcome to come and share God's Word to us in these very troubled times. Tonight, our guests are the members of the Adams Road Band. We invite them as guests every year. This is the third year to come and share their experiences and to answer questions both from us and from our viewers. The Adams Road has been on the road for several weeks sharing their ministry and, and their testimonies of the true gospel of Jesus Christ as they travel uh, our great land. They are former Mormons who through honest searching discovered the truth so they turned to the truth, they got saved through the truth, and I'd like to welcome and introduce the Adams Road Band. And I'm going to ask each one to introduce yourself and what part you play in the band. My name is Micah, and uh, I am the drummer. I'm Jay, and I, I sing and I play guitar. I'm Steve, and I sing and play bass. I'm Joseph, and I play guitar and sing. I'm Matt, and I play the piano. Okay, great. Well, we're welcome you here. We love having you on the show each year, and it's just always a delight to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and share your experiences to these great people all over our country. My first um, question is going to be asked of you, Joseph. On, in March, uh, on the Facebook page, your Facebook page, you wrote something, um, and you wrote it to your Mormon friends, and I thought it was so touching, part of your testimony, that I thought I would ask you about it here on the show. And this is what you said, to my Mormon friends, this is a quote from the Old Temple Endowment, 
where a sectarian preacher is shown as being under the employee of Satan to teach about God to Adam. Do you believe in a God who is without body parts or passions? John 4.24 says he's not. One who fills the universe, Jeremiah 23.24 says that he does fill the heaven and the earth. And yet he is so small that he can dwell in our heart. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says he does. So who is he is surrounded by myriads of beings who have been saved by grace, not for any act of theirs, but by his good pleasure, Ephesians 2.8 and 9. And then you said, I believe in this God. Mm -hmm. That's part of your testimony, obviously. He's a great God and Savior. I want to ask you, how did you perceive God before you be became a Christian? How, as a Mormon, was, was God all-powerful? Was he omniscient? Was he omnipresent? Did he have limitations? What was your perception? Um, I, uh, I would have said that he was all-powerful and um, omnis omniscient, not omnipresent, um, except maybe through the Holy Ghost, because obviously I believed um, that it was uh, three gods making up the Godhead, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. um, and so through the Holy Ghost, then, uh, you know, because He could dwell in our heart, we were taught, and so um, He could be everywhere at one time, um, but uh, not the Father. Um, um, and then uh, the limitations would be that uh, we believed that the Father had a body of flesh and bone and that He was an exalted man, um, you know, sitting on the throne of God. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, obviously the limitations that uh, with that, you know, he's not an all-powerful creator, but he actually could only organize ma uh, materials. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we learned that in the temple that he organized um, and not uh, actually just created things out of nothing. So, mm -hmm. so, so when you were writing this to your Mormon friends on Facebook, you were mm -hmm. expressing how much greater God really is than what you had learned as a Mormon, had believed as a Mormon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's great. Um, and then for whoever wants to answer this question, did you know if God was interested in every tiny detail of your life? Did you, were you told that you didn't, weren't supposed to bother him with the little things? Or were the little things important to your Mormon God? You know, I, I think it, there was kind of a balance there because obviously we thought God was really busy, you know, progressing through eternity. But at the same time, like my perception of him was that because he was once a man, just like I was, that, you know, he would be interested in kind of the day-to-day -day stuff because he'd already been through it. He'd understood it. And so in some sense, I did kind of, you know, see that he might possibly be interested in that stuff. But it was kind of a middle ground, I'd mm -hmm. say. So when, when you were uh, in the Mormon church and, and being good, uh, faithful Mormons, did you pray for the little things? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I'm, I mean, even just simple things of like trying to do well on a test and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, because I hear a lot of them say, I don't want to bother God with that. He's too busy. Did, did you have that notion that he was too busy to. I, I guess I thought the Holy Ghost had some time on his hands. He could, he could help us. You know, maybe God the Father was a little busy, you know, but. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost wouldn't be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, some of the core beliefs of the of the LDS Church, and again, I have to have a disclaimer here. We're talking Mormon uh, doctrine, but we have to understand that the polygamists come from the same Mormon doctrinal background. They believe in the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, all of the things that the early Mormons taught, which not necessarily the... Uh, the present-day church believes in everything the early Mormons taught. But some of the core beliefs of the, of the present-day contemporary Mormon church is on a website, uh, mormonism101.com. 
Now, I understand that this is not an official website of the LDS Church, but some Mormon apologists or, you know, people who want to express themselves have put some of their doctrines on there and explained it. I found it interesting on that website, but not surprising, that some of the questions that were answered there isn't exactly truthful according to what the, the Mormon Church has uh, generally taught in the past. I want to ask you two questions from that website to discover what you were taught. The first one is, do the LDS believe that they can become gods? And secondly, do LDS believe that they will get their own planets? Um, I would say yes. Um, they believe they can become gods, and it's actually in their own doctrine. And DNC 132, if you read through there, I think it's verse 37, it makes it pretty clear mm -hmm. that through the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, in particular even plural marriage, that, that they could become gods. And mm -hmm. so I think that's part of the motivation for working so hard and, and being worthy of of your celestial marriage in the, the LDS temple uh, so that you can um, uh, put yourself in that position to hopefully be exalted someday. So did you teach that when you were on your mission? That, that not you not one God? of the first things that comes out of your mouth usually. <laughs> did you believe that um, that you would become a God as as, as godly, as big a God as, as our Father, Heavenly Father God? Well, yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah, um, we, we you know, believe that we could eventually become uh, someday like God is right now. You know, we could progress to become uh, a God in, in just the same sense that, that he was. And I was actually taught that from a really young age. You know, in, in my childhood, I was taught that. And uh, you asked about, you know, having your own planet, too. Yeah. And that was something I was raised believing that one day I would, that. you know, if I was righteous and worthy, I would become a God, have my yeah. own planet, have my own eternal spirit children and, you know, all that. It was, it was just, you know, it was understood in our home. It wasn't anything that was... Were you, you all bizarre. taught that? Your own planets? Were you all taught that? Yeah, I was excited. I was like, planet how is going to make it and stuff. I mean, really? I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I was like, hey, eat pizza and, you know, jump on tramps, <laughs> trampolines pizza, and stuff. Huh? I don't know, you know, but <laughs> I was like, I was, I was excited and I took it seriously, so. Huh? Yeah. Did anybody It else sounds funny now, but. It, well, I it was, does now. I was serious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's something that it's not really common knowledge amongst a lot of LDS people when they're growing up, but I think especially when you get on your mission, you know, which we, you know, four of the five of us were missionaries, I think it's pretty common knowledge, you know, amongst the LDS missionaries, and you kind of all understand and know that it's all about progressing to become a god someday, but mm -hmm. as Matt mentioned, it's not the first thing that you mention to people when you <laughs> knock on their doors. Yeah. You know, it's what they would consider, you know, deep doctrine, but it's definitely something that we all knew and understood and believed, you know, that we were, you know, through our own merit, through our own righteousness, through our worthiness, through the works that we Perform through obedience to the LDS, you know, law that we could, you know, basically work our way into godhood. And, and you would and become was, as great a god as our god. Yeah, is now. and I think the understanding is that you'd never catch him because well, no, he was continually because progressing. Of progressing yeah. But that we could become as he is now to us. Yes, uh -huh. and that was our hope. You know, is that through our righteousness we would one day attain, you know, godhood. Okay. Um, I want to, the, the reason I ask this is because the answer to both of these questions on that website was no that the, this is kind of hazy about the God thing, but no on the planet thing. So I thought I would quote from Joseph Fielding Smith, uh, in, and also um, for, that's the doctrines of salvation, and also it's in Achieving a Celestial Marriage, 
which is this manual right here that the Mormon church used. And this is what he said. The Father has promised us that through our faithfulness we shall be blessed with the fullness of his kingdom. In other words, we will have the privilege of becoming like him. To become like him, we must have all the powers of godhood. Thus, a man and his wife, when glorified, will have spirit children who eventually will go on an earth like this one that we're on. We will become gods and have jurisdiction over worlds, and these worlds will be peopled by our own offspring. So that obviously is saying that we will have our own worlds, planets, and that we will become God. And Brigham Young said, all those who are counted worthy to be exalted and to become gods, even the sons of God, will go forth and have earths and worlds like those who framed this one and millions on millions of others. Third prophet, John Taylor, it is for the exaltation of man to this state of superior intelligence and godhood that the mediation and atonement of Jesus Christ is instituted, that being noble, a man is rendered capable of becoming a god possessing the power, the majesty, the exaltation, and the position of a God. And I say all this because that website said no, and yet you were taught it, you believed it, you knew people who did. We were taught it. The Doctrine and Covenants teach that three prophets of the church taught it, and they said no, that they don't believe that. Isn't that interesting? Okay, they lied. Um, I... I don't know if I've asked you this question in the past, but I've, I just really felt that I needed to bring this up tonight. Um, and we always do have new viewers, so they need to, if they haven't heard this before, and it concerns Joseph Smith's polygamy. And anyone can go to the website familysearch.org, and we're going to put that up on the screen, and look and find on that website um, Joseph Smith's multiple wives. It doesn't have all his wives there, but it has several of them listed. And there's also a book entitled In Sacred Loneliness, written by a Mormon historian that solidly documents 34 wives of Joseph Smith. Eleven of those wives were women that were married with husbands, living, they were married to both men at the same time. And 11 of them were teenagers, 14 years old. Two of them were 14 years old. History shows that he had sexual relations with his wives. When did you discover this about Joseph Smith, and what was your reaction when you found this out? Well, you know, uh, I was actually, uh, for a few years after my mission, a student at BYU, and I was uh, 23 years old. I was in my third year there. And this was the first time in my life I had ever heard about Joseph Smith having more than one wife. There was a class called uh, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, and people who were in the class who were more knowledgeable than myself, including the teacher and some of the students, started talking about it, about him marrying you know, 14-year-old girls, about all these, these wives that he had. And I had, I had gone to the Joseph Smith building in Salt Lake, seen the Joseph Smith movie, and it's very portrays yeah. this pretty picture of one mm -hmm. wife. It's just Emma. Mm -hmm. And I always assumed it was just Emma, but you know, the facts are there. Like you said, FamilySearch.org shows uh, several of those wives and, uh, mm -hmm. and you know it was hard to reject that when it was coming from you know the BYU you right. know, institution so right. yeah right. so how shocked were you were you it, it rattled my cage a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, being a good, you know, member of the church, I just kind of said, well, all right, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that later. And I moved on and it wasn't, you know, a, quite a while after that when I finally left the church. But mm -hmm. when I did leave, that was definitely something that helped me to realize, okay, this is a man-made religion. It's not of God, you know. So, so. Is it, was it faith-shaking to you guys? Any of you faith-shaking to learn this about Joseph Smith? Uh, for me, it wasn't, and that's only because I found out about Joseph Smith's plural wives after I had already left the LDS Church. Oh, okay. But 
uh, much like Steve, you know, I grew up in Sunday school and priesthood, and even throughout my entire mission, I never had heard or had been taught that Joseph Smith had more than one wife. And like I said, there's always this perfect picture, you know, of he and Emma and their perfect relationship. And I never knew that. We always knew that Brigham Young was a polygamist because right. that's well documented and it's just something that the church teaches. But I, I had never heard that and I found out after. But it just seemed to be confirmation, you know, because the, the thing that really changed my heart was coming to know the gospel of grace through the Bible. And I realized how distorted the gospel, the true good news of Jesus had been mm -hmm. through the LDS church and what Joseph Smith has taught. And so when I found out about his plural wives, it just seemed to be a confirmation, you know, of the type of person that he was. Mm -hmm. And that was not, you know, a true prophet like I'd always been taught. And you know what? That is so exciting when you find out, and me from a polygamy group and you guys from a works-related Mormon background to find the gospel of grace. It is so exciting to know that no matter what you do, it won't have anything to do with your salvation because Jesus did it all. And polygamy just just turns it into blasphemy. Do you think that, that God answered your prayers as a Mormon? And if so, how did you recognize the answers? Uh, that's actually a great question. Actually, just uh, a, a, I want to say like a month or so before I left the church, there was a fireside that was given in Orlando, Florida. And I want to say it was Russell M. Nelson. One of the apostles uh, came and, and gave a talk. And I remember he had this illustration on a, a board at the front of the, the meeting. And he uh, showed a person, you know, a little stick figure man, and then a little stick figure God up above. <laughs> and he said, okay, this is the prayer of the righteous. And he drew an arrow and it just went right up to God. And uh, then he drew a line through it. And he said, now this is is the prayer of the wicked person and he showed the arrow go up and then bounce off that barrier oh. and basically made the point that God does not hear the prayers of people who aren't righteous of people who aren't you know worthy of him basically oh. and uh, so that you know kind of uh, you know I, I mean you know even up to that point I'd kind of felt like if I wasn't doing everything in my power to be right before God that God wouldn't necessarily listen to my prayer you know because mm -hmm. uh, the Book of Mormon and several other places had kind of shown me that God honors the prayers of those who you know are, are right with him basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that's kind of a tough place for anyone who's struggling to be right with God you know they don't don't know if they've done enough. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. As a Christian, do you think he answers your prayers the same way or differently? I think it's a little differently. When I was LDS, it was more just uh, I was relying on feelings to kind of have this communication with God and kind of to have a confirmation of what God wanted me to do. But now I rely more so on the Bible and I let that kind of, I let the, because Jesus is the Word of God right. and the Word of God is manifest through the Bible. And so by reading the Bible and and, and having that absorbed into my heart, into my mind, in my life, uh, that's a way that I can stay close with God as well and mm -hmm. feel like He answers my prayers through the Word. Right. And you know, a lot of the times that we want to pray about something, the answer's there in the Bible, and all we have to do is, is actually locate it and, right. and pray it. Okay. Were you afraid, any, and this for any or all of you, when you, when you decided that you... Did you want to answer that? Did you have an answer for that? No, no, if you want to answer that one on the prayer, go ahead. Uh, I didn't mean no, to. I mean, yeah, I just think that um, when we in Mormonism, you know, we were we we felt like it was all about how what type of person we are, were and whether we were a good person or not, and that uh, you know now we know that um, seeing as we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, that God hears all of our prayers and He's going to answer them in the way that is best for us. And right, He so, He will answer all different. of our prayers. It's Lord not. Jesus. It's no longer you know contingent on us being right. free from sin because we can't be free from sin except for in Jesus. In Jesus, absolutely right. That's a real good point. Now, as you guys were transitioning in your journey to from Mormonism and, and into Christianity, and our journeys all take us different ways, 
Were you, as Mormons, afraid of what your family would do, how they would react to your choice of moving away from the Mormon faith into the truth of Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is the short answer. Um, when you've been taught something your entire life, when you've grown up believing something is, is one way, and then God takes your heart and He shows you the truth as He did with us, and He manifests His grace through His Word, it's scary because it's so cultural. You know, the LDS Church is so cultural, and, and for us, you know, living here at Utah and being in, entrenched in it and ingrained in it, and uh, when I came out of the church, it was a very abrupt thing for me because I got kicked off the LDS mission uh, for confessing that Jesus was the only way to eternal life. Yeah. And when that happened, I very abruptly had to go home and share this message with my family, and my mother was a professor at Brigham Young University at the time, and that was scary, you know. But uh, the amazing thing is, and the, I think the thing that we all learned is that it doesn't matter at what cost discipleship comes, because knowing Jesus Christ and having his grace after been you know, being empty the, your whole life before that, it's, it's the most amazing thing in the world. You know, and Jesus Christ satisfies you in a way that religion never can, That's in a way right. that temples never can, in a way that even your very own family can never fulfill you like Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And so, you know, even though it's difficult and it's hard, you also know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens That's us right. and, and he gives us the power to witness right. of his grace uh, to mm -hmm. the people we love. And, and, you know, amazing testimonies. Our family, uh, they're all saved now. They've all accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. My parents uh, accepted the Lord and have left the LDS religion and embraced a relationship with Jesus. So, Do you think part of that is because you remain strong in your resolve to, to follow what you're, uh, the way you were being led to? the truth? Well, I'd try not to credit myself at all because, well, but I, I believe mean, you that. You didn't waffle, you didn't compromise. Yeah, I believe that because God had transformed my heart through His Word, and all I did was share the Word with them, and I think that's what's important. It's not how yeah. we can articulate things, it's not, you know, anything about us, it's simply about giving them the Word of God. Mm -hmm. and, and like Matt and Joseph, you know, both said, you know, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ through God's Word, and it is life changing and life transforming, and it's sharper than any two edged sword. And that's I think, right. you know, even in that fear, uh, sharing the gospel and love to the people that we love and doing it with the Word of God, it, you know, it can plant seeds that, you know, God will grow. And it's, so. It is absolutely so freeing. It's yeah. so freeing when you know the truth. You know the truth. Raised in the polygamy group, we were taught that salvation different than the way the mainstream Mormon church is taught. Salvation to us is that we were saved from an eternal hell. That's what salvation was to us. In the Mormon church, that usually is not the way it's perceived. It's totally different. What did the term salvation mean to you personally, and what does it mean to a Mormon? What does it mean to you now, and what does it mean to a Mormon? Well, uh, I actually remember, uh, you know, on our, on our missions, like we would teach people that salvation was uh, basically salvation from physical death, that it meant uh, being resurrected with a physical body into one of, you know, the three uh, kingdoms in the afterlife, telestial, terrestrial, or celestial. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the short answer, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily living with God, but just having that gift of a resurrected just body. resurrection, yeah. yeah. You didn't know that everyone would be resurrected, even the wicked would be resurrected? resurrected? Uh, yeah, yeah, we believed basically everyone so, would. So, so yeah. everybody gets saved then? Everybody. In that context. Regardless, yeah. And so it was kind of a deceptive thing, because when people would say, by grace we are saved, we'd say, oh yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely, yeah, we're saved by the grace of God, and God gives us a free pass to get a, a body, you know? <laughs> that's, that was what about eternal yeah. life? Does eternal life have a different meaning than salvation? It does, very, very different. And uh, that, 
you know, that was basically the idea of living with God in the celestial kingdom. Uh, you know, that, and I, I seem to remember that term being pretty exclusive to that, you know, that that meant being with God and salvation was that resurrection, eternal life was actually, um, you know, and really the, the definition in LDS theology of true life was to progress, you know, to continue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember hearing the term spiritual death, meaning that you couldn't progress anymore. So, mm. you know, that kind of idea. So totally eternal life. Totally different terminology. The Bible yeah. absolutely, eternal life and salvation is the same thing in the Bible. Exactly. Yeah. There's no mm -hmm. difference mm -hmm. in the same thing in the Bible at all. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, polygamists actually teach more accurately about hell than the Mormons do. Who, they've almost completely wiped hell out of their uh, teachings, of, of, out of the options and their perspective of eternity. How did you perceive and teach about hell? Was it outer darkness or is it different than, than what you thought hell is and what hell is in the Bible? Um, yeah, there's actually, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I can see three applications uh, in the LDS uh, doctrine. One would be a spirit prison. Um, you know, like they taught that once you die, you go to either spirit paradise or spirit prison based on if you've accepted the LDS church. Um, so obviously those that didn't accept the LDS church go to spirit prison. That could be considered as a hell kind of because it's like uh, a probational thing, but it's not, it's not eternal. It's not something that you stay in forever. You just stay mm -hmm. there till judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard, uh, that, uh, the lower kingdoms, everything besides the celestial kingdom be referred to as hell because you've stopped progressing. So you're not continually progressing in the celestial kingdom kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, therefore, you're, you're kind of damned in a way. And so that, that's been considered a hell. And then the other thing is the outer darkness, of course, which mm -hmm. um, only the, uh, the devil, his angels, and the sons of perdition go to, which under in the DNC, in the Doctrine and Covenants, it defines as those who defy um, God's power and, and fight against the truth, which would be us. So we're, <laughs> all, we're all sons of perdition yes. right here on the show. Yes. Right now, we're all sons so, of perdition. Right. So yeah. that's... But they, ne they never acknowledged the term hell. And when we were missionaries and we taught, you know, the quote-unquote plan of salvation, we never taught the term hell or the idea that there was a hell, an eternal hell. What's the difference yeah. between what you were taught as a Mormon and what you taught and yeah. what hell is in the Bible? Mm -hmm. What is the difference? Um, yeah, well, the, I mean, the, the difference is that in the Bible, it's very clear that there's only two destinations when you leave. And if you believe in Jesus, then you're going to go to heaven. And if you don't, then you're going to hell. And hell is an eternal uh, damnation, eternal punishment. And you don't like, you know, uh, pay for your sins and then and suffer for those and then move up, you know, or anything like that. Um, I mean, it's it's a permanent fixed place. And so now when you said you if you it. believe in, in Jesus, then you won't go there. But the, yeah. the Bible tells us that even the demons believe and tremble. So yeah. let's be more specific about believing in Jesus. Well, so, you know, um, you have to uh, you have to also understand the word and according to the word of God, um, understand what Jesus did for you. And you have to be in a position to be saved, um, which is only offered to us um, as, uh, you know, we're children of wrath. And then we accept Jesus and then we become children of God. The only way sinners can be can get eternal life yeah. is through the cross of Jesus through Christ right. and, yep. and his death on the cross. And acknowledging, you know, true faith, which is believing that Jesus Christ and him alone is the only way to eternal life, that his blood shed on the cross is enough to pay the debt for our sins and that we cannot and will never be able to do anything to contribute to what Jesus did on the cross. And, right. and I think it's good to make that distinction because LDS people and the people watching would claim that they believe in Jesus, right. but believing, you know, in him, but 
then they also add their own works and their mm -hmm. own righteousness upon that which Jesus Christ has already done for us. But right. the only righteousness that we can ever attain is through faith in Jesus Christ and, and having his righteousness covered upon us through his blood. And, and so, Jesus will reject good works. Yes. Yep. So good works is rejected. Yep. Okay. Uh, at least 12 times in the Bible, Jesus used the word saved. Jesus himself used the word saved at least 12 times in his ministry. When we hear the phrase getting saved, what did that mean to you as a Mormon? And what were you saved from? <laughs> I mean, if someone's saved, they're saved from something, right? Yeah. Right. That's, that's a good point, considering we just mentioned how hell is almost non-existent in Mormon theology. Um, but yeah, just to kind of touch on what Steve already said, they would probably say if they're saved, they're saved from physical death. That means they're going to be resurrected. Um, uh, and what they're saved from, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know how I would uh, articulate that for you. <laughs> the, the, what I'm trying to do is, is contrast the truths of the Bible and what Jesus himself taught about hell is so far off from what the Mormon church believes. And even the polygamists believe closer to the true doctrine of hell than the Mormon church does. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's pretty scary because when you don't believe that part, uh, then th the devil's kind of got you where he wants you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, we are halfway through the show and we usually break at this point for a brief message about our ministry and open up the telephone lines. So uh, we are opening up the telephone lines right now. Anyone who wants to call in and ask their, uh, anyone from our Adams Road uh, band questions or make comments about what we've been talking about. We do have more to chat with, but we'd love to chat with you as well. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. And as we wait for the calls to come in, we are going to share a message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. 
There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome to back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we are interviewing the Adams Road Band tonight having some very interesting insight into the things they were taught and the things they taught while they were on their LDS missions. Uh, we are all in our costumes. We have our ties on. And this, of course, is what you guys do. You wear your ties uh, with all your shirts that aren't white. Well, <laughs> almost. <laughs> and, and you shared yours with me, which quite fits my, my uh, liking for the colors, and I appreciate that. Uh, we do have some calls coming in. I do have one question I want to ask you, though, before we get on our calls. Early Mormon prophets taught that God and Jesus Christ were polygamous. Were you taught that while you were growing up in the Mormon church? And what did you think about that? And what do you think about that now? Um, we were never, well, I, I was never taught that Jesus was a polygamist. Uh, I mean, I, I was never taught Joseph Smith was, so, you know, Jesus was definitely not a polygamist. <laughs> but they kind of implied that uh, God the Father was um, a polygamist just because, you know, uh, a polygamy was a, a celestial marriage or, or a celestial um, principle in that we'd practice in the hereafter. So therefore, while we were gods, we would practice it. So it just, you know, reason just said that God the Father was a polygamist, mm -hmm. though they only talked about Heavenly Mother, not Heavenly Mothers. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, the thought is just... Uh, it's just appalling because the Bible is very clear that God has always existed, that God is, 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 is he created everything and he's so all-powerful, you know, that he would be an exalted man that, you know, would yeah. have those kind of relations with multiple yeah. women. I'm just, it just doesn't... It is appalling, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when God made us out of mud. Yeah, and, exactly. And they think that we were created otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We have an off-the-air question. Uh, someone wanted, heard Micah what you said, but they didn't quite catch it. They said, what was it that Micah said to get him kicked off his mission? What happened? Well, basically, <laughs> I had read the Bible during my LDS mission. I'd come to know and taste of grace for the first time in my life and understand that, salva that salvation was by grace through faith and not by works. And so um, when I was presented by my LDS leadership about the change in faith that I had received, um, I basically told them and confessed to them that Jesus Christ was the only thing that I needed to be saved. Mm -hmm. And I told them that I did not need the LDS church for salvation. And, uh, and at that point, you know, uh, they asked me the temple recommend questions. They asked me if I believed Joseph Smith was a prophet and the LDS church was the true church. And I didn't believe that anymore because I believed that Jesus Christ was enough to satisfy, you know, that yeah. he alone through his blood could save me and that I had been saved by his blood alone. And at that point, they kicked me off my mission for not believing in the LDS church is, is the way to eternal life, basically. Mm -hmm. so. so it wasn't any great big moral thing. Somebody no. didn't offend you really horrible. No, and I didn't, you know, break any of the laws. I didn't break any of the rules. I didn't, you know, commit any sin that got me kicked off. It was just my change of faith and believing in Jesus Christ above the LDS religion. Isn't that something? 
Yeah, no, it's well, it's sad, it really is. Yeah, well, and what's happened is that the church, the same with the polygamy groups, that becomes the mediator mm -hmm. and displaces Jesus as being mm -hmm. our only mediator. Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have on line three, Jim calling from Wyoming. Hello, Jim. Hello, Doris, how you doing? Pretty good, you're on the air, do you have a question? Yes, I do. I, well, first of all, my, I started watching a little bit later in the program and I was kind of wondering what the ties were for tonight. Oh. <laughs> Well, one of the guys can explain why they, but this is their, this is their general um, mode of dress, so maybe someone can tell us why yeah. you wear ties. Well, uh, like, like we said, uh, several of us were LDS missionaries. We had just had a lot of leftover ties, and we were like, hey, yeah, let's put them on. But uh, you know, other than that, it, uh, we, we do play in a lot of uh, different venues, and some churches are more formal, some are more casual, and just kind of works wherever. So, yeah. Okay, cool. My other question was tonight was, you know, I was a missionary also, and any time that I was serving a mission and I was teaching, at, you know, when you felt like you were teaching with the Spirit and you felt that that was okay, and I, I did the same thing as I think you guys did, but how did that make you feel now that you're not in that religion anymore? About not teaching in the spirit or teaching in the spirit? What specifically? I mean, like, that you thought at one time you were, but now you're not. So, I, not that you're not now, but it's like, how, how did that make you feel from doing that till now? Yeah, well, um, just reiterating the fact that in, in Mormon, it's about feelings, and there's this emotionalism that went with everything, and so... If I felt a certain way, um, I would always connect that to the Spirit of God. And so, but you know, the Bible talks about out of our heart comes false witness and things. And so mm -hmm. we can't rely on feelings. And so now it's not as much about this, this emotional expression as it is just about relying on truth and relying on, on the, the revealed Word of God, which is the Bible. And the Proverbs tells us that a, a man is a fool who trusts in himself. So relying on your feelings is foolish. Did that answer your question, Jim? Well, I can't hear their answers, but... Oh, you couldn't hear his answer? Yeah. Well, he said it was basically based on feeling um, that he used, that you uh, thought you were teaching, and if it felt good, then he thought he was doing the right thing. Is that basically... Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good. And I've never seen seven douchebags on the TV vote for Mitt Romney. All right, Julie. Hello, Julie. Julie? Julie? Hello. Um, my question is, um, I haven't officially left the, the church, but I'm definitely not going back. I'm looking for support anywhere I can find it, and I have went online and joined several um, several groups, um, XLDS, and I find it's 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 a lot of negativity, and that's really not what I'm looking for. I'm not really looking to bash the church. I'm just looking for support, and I'm wondering what kind of advice the gentlemen have. Uh, first of all, Julia, I'll turn it over to them in just a second, but there is an ex-Mormon support group uh, in Utah County, and if you want to leave your phone number at, to the operator, uh, I will contact you after the show and give you their contact information so that you can okay. maybe join them. But we'll, Great, let the guys, we'll let the guys answer your question. What suggestion okay. would you have for support? 
Well, I, you know, I would say, Julie, it's, it's really important. I think all of us kind of went through that same thing as we were leaving the LDS Church, and we didn't want to focus on what we were leaving behind, but what we were looking towards, and that's, you know, the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and so I think it's really important to find a fellowship of good believers, you know, find a good Bible-based church. And most important thing is for you personally is just to stay in the Word of God mm-hmm. and to read it every single day and to just, you know, drink and drink and drink of that living waters that will just quench your thirst uh, more than anything else. And, and so I just, that's what I would really encourage you to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Did that help you, Julie? Yes, thank you. Thank and you. also, maybe just real quick, Julie, you know, you can always email us, too, mm-hmm. and we'd love to talk to you, or, you know, we can talk to you on the phone, or we can email with you, and your, we, can be a, we can be a support. Uh, info at adamsroadband.com. Also, if you go to adamsroadband.com, we've got tons of good materials and resources and music and DVDs and different things that, you know, might help, you know, you continue in growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, okay thank right. you. Thanks, Julie. Good night. Okay, we got Sherry calling from Murray. Hello, Sherry. Oh, good evening, Doris. Hello, you're on the uh, air. I am um, I'm confused about the Families Are Forever teaching. Uh-huh. And anybody who wants to answer this question. If the good goal question. is to become righteous enough to achieve godhood and then take your wife or wives and start your own planet, what's the point of having your children sealed to you? I mean, won't they be working toward a level of righteousness that would allow them to go and start their own planet? Yeah. Uh, is this mic working, by the way? Does the, can, she hear you? can you hear me? Can you hear him talk? I can't. You can't? You cannot? Oh, okay. Well, um, you know, really the... Sorry, yeah, really, really the best way, uh, you know, I could put it is there's, there's not really a great answer for that. And that was something I wondered when I was uh, active in the LDS Church, um, you know, as far as being sealed to children here on earth, um, you know, why, why do that at all if we're going to have uh, spirit children? And I, I, I think that the general idea is just basically that we're all going to be sealed to each other, you know, through the eternities, God sealed to gods and et cetera, et cetera. It's like one gigantic uh, big family. That was my understanding of it, at least. But I, I agree with you. It, you know, there, it is kind of a confusing doctrine, and it kind of seems a little, um, you know, nonsensical in that way. Yeah, it had. It, it yes, I thought it was nonsensical too. I just thought maybe there was some clear answer to that question, and I just hadn't heard it. I don't know if there's a clear answer. Does anybody else have something you want to say about it? I've, you know, I've heard that question a lot, and um, I have not heard a, a good answer for it either. So thanks for calling in and answer the que- asking the question. Thank it's, you very much. It's a good one. Thank you for calling. Okay, we have line three calling Brian from Bountiful. Hello, Brian. Yes, um, I have a question for you, Doris. Um, and you know it says that Jesus was tempted, and I think he was tempted in every way that, that a man was tempted because he had a body. Was he tempted with with women too? I was just curious. Well, when the Bible says, and it's in Hebrews, it says he was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet didn't sin, I would imagine that he was tempted in every way. Okay, I'm just curious. Thank you very much. Uh-huh, thanks for calling. Well, I don't even, I shouldn't even say I imagine, because it says it was, so he was. So that's the way it is. Well, we've got other calls uh, coming in, but we don't have any ready yet, so I'll go to the next question. Um, how did you, as a Mormon, perceive Jesus Christ in relation to his deity? Did you know that he was Almighty God? 
And what was your reaction when you discovered he was? Well, it was interesting. Uh, before I became Christian, it was more likely for me to refer to Jesus as my brother than it was to my God. But now as a Christian, I look to him and see him as the one true God. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because Jesus is a spirit child of his heavenly father in, in the same way we are. And so we're just a spirit sibling with Jesus as opposed to the idea that Jesus is the creator of all things. He created so, us. We're, exactly. not his, we're not his siblings. And, and he's not the sibling of Satan. He created Lucifer. He did not, uh, he's not uh, uh, created with him. So, you know, and that was one, probably one of the greatest, most exciting things that I learned when I first became a Christian is that Jesus is God. Yeah. The only God, the only God that ever existed. Yeah. How long before or after you became a Christian did you realize that Jesus and Lucifer were not and could not be spirit brothers? And how did that affect you? Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't too long after uh, I left the LDS church and I was studying the Bible and came to know who Jesus was from the Bible. And just like we're talking about, you know, that once I realized he was the creator, he, he definitely could not have been, you know, Lucifer's brother. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, you know, exalted him for who he was. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it, like you said, it was a relief, you know, yeah. just to know that I was worshiping an almighty, all-powerful God, not right. one that was organizing, like cleaning his room or something, yeah. you know, organizing elements to create stuff, you know, make things. So. And I think yeah. it reiterates, you know, the difference between the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of Mormonism and how much greater, you know, the Jesus of the Bible is and mm -hmm. how he is eternal and he is perfect and he is our God and, and he's done everything for us yeah. and completed the work for our salvation, whereas the God and the Jesus of Mormonism, you know, require us to do our part and to do our own works in order to be saved. And that's a completely different Jesus and a completely different gospel. It is a different Jesus. And we're going to talk about that next if we have time. But, you know, being raised in the polygamy group, we were taught about Sacrifice. We had to sacrifice uh, to earn our godhood and to earn eternal glory. And becoming a Christian, we realize God, God Almighty, who, is, who came down here as Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us. Our God sacrificed for us. We don't have to sacrifice for our God to earn salvation, to earn eternal life. Um, okay, we do have a couple of calls. Let's take Eric from West Jordan calling. Hello, Eric. Hi. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, I just had a question for these five gentlemen. Um, after leaving the LDS Church, it, I, I would imagine that they've been looked looked down upon. And as far as like a role model, they would have to look up to someone like as far as like a priest or a pastor or something like that. Out of out of the five of them, how many of them were were actually molested? Molested? What kind of a question is that? Well, obviously, there's got to be some type of Actually, All right, we'll go to Lynn in Logan. Hello, Lynn. Lynn, you're on the air. Um, yes, I just have a comment. I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Uh, I just feel really sad for what I'm hearing. I am LDS. I don't see the reason to tear down others' beliefs. Um, I'm not tearing down yours. You have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. I've been... LDS all my life. I was not active part of my life, but I do hope this dear. And I've heard a huge amount of misinformation on your program tonight. I too have studied this, and I am definitely secure in my feelings and my beliefs. 
I don't say that you don't have a right to feel how you feel. I don't say that you don't, you know, you're not less than me. But you're stating over and over that I'm less than you, and I feel so sad for that. Uh, Lynn, um, we, no one has said anybody say. is less than anyone, and we haven't bashed anything. These gentlemen are expressing what they learned uh, in re Bible reading as a result of being, and after they were on their LDS missions. We haven't bashed anybody. Um, would you? Well, I just want to say to Lynn and you know, any other LDS people watching that we do love you. you know, and, and the purpose of what we do is not to bash you or to tear you down, but it's to show you the truth that is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You know, to show you that there is something so much greater than religion, there's something so much greater than, you know, anything that the world can offer you through religion, and that is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Yeah. And, um, and, and you'd mentioned, you know, about what we feel and about what you feel. The good news, it's not about what we feel. It's not about what we believe. It's about what's true. Right. And Jesus Christ is the truth, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we are trying to point people towards him. And also, I'd invite, you know, for, for Doris's show, uh, if you know of any misinformation, to email them and let them know. Mm -hmm. And because it's not our intent, and I certainly know it's not her intent to give any misinformation. And I know that everything has been documented, and it's factual. And if there's anything incorrect, we invite you to let us know. Yeah, we'd love to know what it is. Yeah. And we'll apologize if we find that we've been saying anything wrong. Anybody else have anything you'd like to say about that? Okay, line three, Anastasia calling from Holiday. Hello. Hello. Well, I don't know if we want to do that. Line two, Michael from Ogden. Hello, Michael. Hey, how you doing, uh, guys? First, uh, I think the person that called a few moments ago asking about that molestation stuff, you know, they get, these people get this in their head. I watched Heart of the Matter, and they think that, well, they must have left the LDS church for some reason. Something horrible must have happened, you know, so let's just blow it off. Well, you know, that, I think you already have. That's true, Michael, but, but Micah asked, he answered the question already of, of why did he leave? That was one thing he answered, or why oh, was oh, he yeah, kicked no, no, off? No. I was just talking about the guy that called a while ago and was asking him, you know, saying, why did you leave? Were you molested right. and all that? And I'm like, you know, they always come up with nonsense. People do, like, mm -hmm. uh, when they're asking, you know, they're, something must have gone wrong or you wouldn't right. have left the church. Yeah, it can never be doctored. It. It but my never question is this, Joyce. Have you ever heard of uh, the compare? I'm Catholic, actually. But there's a, there's a comparison of, of um, Melchizedek of the Old Testament with uh, as being a theophany of, of, of Jesus. Have you ever heard of that? Of who? Melchizedek. I've heard um, that, yeah, but but in Hebrews it says it refers to Melchizedek as a man. So Jesus wasn't a man until he was born in Bethlehem, so it couldn't have been and the way I read it, I don't think it was. I think Melchizedek well, said, was a real said he person. He had no beginning and no end. And uh, that's the Alpha and Omega. He was called King of Salem. Right. And later which later became of Jerusalem, right? He was, he uh, we was were a, always taught in the Catholic Church that I mean, it was an absolute connection. There was there's theophanies of Christ all well, throughout the Old Testament. Right, right. But he was never meant. He was never. Uh, he was usually called the Angel of the Lord in the Old Testament when Jesus uh, appeared. And also, he offered bread and wine. Remember, right, right. Because it did. 
And you know, it it really it doesn't. Uh, frankly, for the for our discussion tonight, it doesn't really matter if he was or not. We know Melchizedek was the only high priest, and we know that Jesus is the only high priest priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's my point. That's There's my no point other the, yeah, priesthood. Okay. That's kind of like my point. Yeah. So this other priesthood that they have in, within the LDS churches, well, actually, neither one of them hold up the standards. There's only one high priest. And right. uh, even as a Catholic, we don't believe that the Pope is a high priest. <laughs> anyway, I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, thanks Thank for you. calling, Michael. <laughs> Bye. Okay, Anastasia is back. Let's see if we can talk to her without all that background noise. Hello, Anastasia. Yes. Okay, you need to turn your TV down. We've only got one minute. You've got to be quick. Okay. Hurry. <laughs> Hello. Yes. You've got one. Well, now you've got only about 40 seconds, so make it quick. Okay, okay so. Hello? We don't have time for our games that we're getting tonight. <laughs> well, we are um, uh, getting towards the end of the show. Um, is there anything that anyone wants to say to our Mormon loved ones and friends, which goes to, I have a lot of, family and friends in polygamy groups as well. Do you, does anyone wants to say something to speak to them? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, uh, just encourage you to uh, trust the Bible, you know, because, uh, you know, all of our lives we were taught to, uh, I'm sorry, we were taught to uh, to not trust the Bible, you know, and, and then we learn all these things that weren't true that our religion taught us, and yet we still, you know, and so many people still hold to the fact that the Bible can't be trusted. If the LDS Church or any of those religions, you know, if they lied about all these other things or were untrue or, or um, deceiving, then why, why can't, you know, you... Um, you can just think about it, and maybe that they were um, lying about the Bible being untrue. And I just want to let you know, you know, that, that uh, Jesus didn't lie when he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never right. pass away. Right. And um, I think that's the biggest disservice that Joseph Smith did was to make us not trust the Bible. So I just encourage mm -hmm. you to get in the Bible and trust it and read it as a child, you know, just seeking to be taught, um, and God will show you. Uh, what really is true, and if your religion is true, then that's what you'll find. And and uh, what do you have to be afraid of? You know, what do you have to um, to not investigate? That's what I would say. Okay, you haven't said much tonight. Do you have something, some uh, for about twenty seconds worth of time that you would like to say to our viewers? Uh, just um, coming into knowledge that Jesus, uh, you know, coming to the knowledge that Jesus is Lord, and uh, and that we don't have to work for our salvation. It's it's. Uh, it's you know liberating and it is the truth and when you get in the word of god and you and you study it and you read that um you know there's freedom therein that you know who the sun sets free is free indeed right. and um you know that's just the truth it it's is. undeniable it is it's undeniable and i've discovered that those who say that you can't trust the bible that's been mistranslated they're the ones who have not studied the bible yeah. Yeah. they're just copying what somebody else has said so where are you guys headed out now tomorrow next your next trip uh, tomorrow night, actually, we're going to be at the Cross Point Church in Taylorsville. Oh. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to be at Pace and Bible Church, and Sunday evening, we're going to be at Grace Bible Church in Springville. So, okay. And all of our information is on AdamsRoadBand.com. We've got our calendar there. We're also going to be in Layton and Salt Lake, and we're going to be in Hurricane and St. George, and we're going to be all over. So, okay. Well, it's great to have you all here. Thanks for sharing all that you did. 
and uh, we will get you on again next year too if you're back. In John chapter 10 verse 9, uh, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. What did Jesus mean by the phrase, he shall be saved? Saved from what? Saved to what? You know, polygamists and Mormons alike believe in the totally non-biblical doctrine of three levels of heavenly glory. Jesus taught nothing of the kind. Jesus is the Savior, so he certainly would know all about getting saved and where those who get saved will be going. And um, Jesus also knows that about the souls, that there's only two places that souls could go, and one of them is heaven and one of them is hell. Being saved means that we're saved from something or from some place, and that place, according to Jesus, was hell. And until people realize the reality of hell as Jesus taught it and as the prophets warned about, they will never understand the urgency and the need for the biblical Jesus or the biblical gospel. You know, Satan's greatest tool, as we talked about tonight, is to convince people that he is not really what he is and that hell doesn't exist or that it's different than Jesus taught it. So we urge you, turn to the Bible, read everything it says about eternal punishment, everlasting torment, the lake of fire, and everything else that pertains to unsaved sinners. And every one of us are sinners and need to be saved. That's what Jesus was talking about, and that's why he went to the cross. And if you choose not to believe the literal teaching of hell, as the Bible teaches it, then the devil has got you just where he wants you. But when you can get a grip on the truthfulness and the reality of hell as Jesus taught it, you'll make a beeline from your religion and straight to Jesus Christ, to Jesus who is the only one mighty to save. Thanks and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.